Hello, everyone, and welcome inside Take to Take here on the Fan Sided Network. Patrick Talon, as always, joined alongside Luke Burrows and Nick Robinson. Super excited to get this episode going. It's been some time since we've recorded. Uh, I can't even remember the last show we did, but uh, took a little bit of a hiatus. We're back. We're back on the new network. We're really excited to get going here. Um, it's been some time. So, uh, Luke and Nick, how are we doing today? Doing well. I was actually thinking about that uh, earlier when the last time we recorded a show was, I think it was over a month ago i think it was early february so i uh, could couldn't remember what the last thing we talked about was either like i it's been so long you, you are correct in saying it's been a while you know any normal season we take a month off and it's you know you miss 10 games this season you missed half the season yeah, that's yeah, like really. pretty much what's going on here but um you know we're all excited to be here with fan-sided minute media and yeah. ready to get the show on the road yeah so there's a there's a bit of news some big ones some controversial stuff and we're gonna get all into that uh Near the end, we're going to touch on the TSN trade bait board because that's been a huge topic. And obviously the deadline is coming up, but I think what people are realizing is a lot of the big trades that are happening, at least what Ray Ferraro and James Duthie have said, that it's probably not going to take until the deadline. A lot of that stuff's going to happen probably in the next couple of weeks. Teams like Toronto, uh, that's one that a lot of people are keeping their eye on because they're probably at least expected to make a somewhat big splash. So we'll get to all that. In more recent news, especially out of Buffalo, if things couldn't get any worse, they just fired Ralph Kruger following a 12-game losing skid. Uh, again, I every year I have expectations for the Buffalo Sabres. I actually picked Jack Eichel to win the heart this year. I thought the addition of Taylor Hall, but still not having a good enough team, would make him a strong candidate. He got injured. Uh, Taylor Hall has two goals. Jeff Skinner only has two goals. Jack Eichel has two goals before his injury, obviously. Rasmus Dahlin, who I expected to have a pretty significant breakout season. He only has one goal. I think he's just under 20 points. Nothing is going well for Buffalo. They are so bad. They're not getting good goaltending. They're not getting the goal scoring that everyone thought they would have this year. I don't want to say, I don't want to ask if it's time to rebuild because you have the number one defenseman. You have the number one center. I think 10 of their last 12 drafts, they've picked within the top 10. They haven't picked well in the top 10, but they've picked within the top 10. Jack Eichel, everyone seems to think is on his way out. I don't know what's going wrong with Buffalo. Do you guys think it's time to rebuild again? And if you do rebuild again, how do you even go about that? I like, I, I don't think it, it, that's a funny question because it's, you're asking like, are they going to tear down their team and rebuild? Um, I don't, I don't really know what there is necessarily to tear down. I think Buffalo is in a super unfortunate situation this year. Uh, kind of two halves of it. One, they're not a very good team to start with. They're, they're not getting good goaltending. Um, they, they just, they don't have all the necessary pieces. And then two, the pieces they do have are just not, not performing. And you, you said it, Pat, like you, Eichel and Hall should be, should be a, just a joy to watch. They should be an incredible duo um, no matter where they're placed. And that's not happening. Um, like you said, Darlene as well. Like everyone, everyone involved is just not not doing what they should not um you know not not playing into the puzzle like you'd expect them to and then they're just not a good team in the first place so should they tear down i i don't know i'm, I'm not sure there's much to tear down they've got to figure something out though all right i'm gonna be the hot take guy i think they should tear it down what there is to tear down i think yeah. they should pull the trigger here um jack eichel great hockey player elite first line center in the NHL. He is, but it's, I don't get the feeling that it's going to work with him in Buffalo. And I think right now they have the chance. They're always going to have the chance as long as they have Jack Eichel, but especially right now they have the chance to trade him and 
get back a considerable package. You know, I was thinking the New York Rangers are going to be um, one of the front runners for him. They've been rumored to be around that. Chicago Blackhawks are going to be another that seems like they're going to take a sniff at him. And, you know, if you've got prospects like Vitaly Kravitsov or, you know, some, even Lafreniere, like is there, I'm sure they're going to ask for, or a Kirby Doc from Chicago, you know, these are good pieces that you can build towards. Put that already with somebody like Dylan Cozens and it, it's looking a bit better. But I think for Buffalo, it's going to get, you know, immediately worse before it gets better. They got to cash in on Hall. And, you know, Pat, you alluded before that they have a number one defenseman. Rasmus Dahlin still hasn't really shown it at the NHL level. Outside he should of his be. First he year. should be. He guess, should yeah. be a number one defenseman. This was yeah. a guy that was being compared to Nick Lidstrom before his draft year. And, you know, it just hasn't worked for him at the NHL level. So I think what they can blow up here they need to blow it up they need to get some fresh eyes on this again they need to get a coaching hire right it's just it's a disaster in buffalo and you feel bad because it's a big fan base and they've been going through the motions for so long but i like they have no other option here because this team right now as it stands is not good enough to get better yeah and it's every single year i have expectations for buffalo not not make the playoffs but just be better and look Jack Eichel has been in the, in the NHL for about six seasons now, and they've gone through four coaches since Dan Biles, Phil Housley, Ralph Kruger, and now they have, they're on uh, Don Granato. I think you should tear it down. I think you have to maximize. Look, Jack Eichel doesn't have a no-move clause. Let's not, remember, let's not forget that. He has no no-move clause, no no-trade clause, no nothing. Uh, there's going to be teams. And I, I keep hearing the Rangers as well. I think that would be a really cool fit. I think that would be really a great fit for them. But again, you look at the Skinner contract, uh, they're going to cash in on Taylor Hall. At least they should. Um, Kyloch Pozo, 32. He's making six mil for the next three years. Sam Reinhardt's on a pretty good deal, 5.2, and he's a consistent 50 to 60 point guy. Uh, it's a really peculiar situation for the Buffalo Sabres. And it's just every year I'm disappointed. Every year I have expectations. But, but. So I, I have issues with, um, with, with like talking about what you're going to do with Hall and Eichel, because in Hall's case, um, with with the deal he's on, you'd ideally send him to someone like do your best to get as much back for someone um, who's competing at this point. Uh, in a season like this, who who's gonna show? Again, I'm this isn't a rhetorical question, but like show me a contender that can afford to take him on. And obviously, who knows what the trade is? But Ford um, cap wise, or afford like with with the appropriate pieces to give up. Well, uh, I was thinking like cap wise, but. But well, both. Buffalo's got to eat 50% of the salary. Yeah, Buffalo would eat. It's an $8 million contract. you got to eat yeah. 50% of that at yeah. the very least. Eichel, do you do you think they they need to get rid of Eichel to to restart that? Like, he's 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 not old. I in, Unless you think there's, like, an in, inherent issue matching the Sabres and Jack Eichel, I don't, I don't think you need to get rid of Eichel. I think you need to base your whole rebuild on him. At this I, point, I... I I think it's best for both of them to get out. It's not working for I Jack agree. Eichel, it's, and it's, it's not it would be good for so Eichel, like but for that for them, you get you maximize his value. You get assets, you get picks, you get prospects, and you can't you can't move the skin. I I just I don't think there are many better players that you want to rebuild around right now than Jack Eichel. I, right, but I you, you got to look at a guy in Jack yeah. Eichel. He's coming up on 400 games played in the NHL, and he has not played a single one in the playoffs yet. And you know, somebody as competitive and as skilled as that that bugs him right into his core. Right. So I just can't see him being convinced right now under what this ownership has done. This is his second full yeah. coaching regime under Jack Eichel, or I guess third, he was even coached by Bahausma at the beginning. Um, you know, they they've tried a few times now to build this team around Eichel and they just 
cannot get it together. So I think in the meantime, while you have to look for somebody who's going to build the Sabres from the ground up, you have to cut bait with Eichel and you have to get as much back for him as you can. The other option is, is a sort of partial retool, partial reset. Cause you, it's impossible to move that Jeff Skinner contract as you hang on to Eichel, but you look at guys like Hall, Okpozo, Reinhardt, um, Eric Stahl is another guy who could move this year. Um, you look at the back end and you try to sort of accelerate it by keeping those two key pieces in Eichel and Skinner and Darlene. They're still young and then kind of rebuild around that, but get rid of those other contracts that are somewhat liquid uh, like Stahl and Reinhardt. But again, I don't know with Buffalo anymore. I think I've given up on, on expecting them to, uh, to be good. Anyway, let's move on. And this is sort of a more controversial issue. This one's gaining uh, a lot of attention, especially on social media, especially for us as uh, sport media students. And this is the sort of Gord Miller and just the entire barstool uh, thing that's been going on. Uh, this blew out of proportion a lot more than it needed to. Uh, every once in a while, Gord Miller, who's pretty active on Twitter, does these Ask Me Anything uh, segments on Twitter. People asking about trades, his favorite players, what buildings he likes to play in. And someone asked uh, if he'd go on Chicklets. He said, hey, I, I don't remember what his exact answer was, but it was he likes the Chicklets guys, nothing against them, but anything to do with Barstool is a no for him. I thought that was a fine answer. Uh, we've talked endlessly about a lot of the toxicity in sport media. Uh, we talked about Barstool. We've talked about, uh, you know, how controversial they are. But as Barstool, as the Stoolies do, whatever you want to call them, they overreacted. Uh, and Ryan Whitney posted a video saying, hey, Gord, we never even invited you on. He never said he was invited on. He said he likes those specific guys, but he just does not want to associate with Barstool. There's a history of racism and sexism and misogyny at that, at that, that network, at that company. And he said, I don't want to be affiliated with that. Nothing against that. And then his daughter spoke out and his daughter was attacked by people by Barstool. People were attacking Gord Miller and then people were also attacking Barstool. Uh, Dave Portnoy, who has millions and millions of followers, the founder of Barstool, uh, he, he was going on Twitter saying, let's have a discussion. Stop calling us Nazis. No one called them Nazis. He just kind of jumped to the Nazi thing because I guess that's happened before. Anyway, um, do you guys think that Gord Miller is in the right for what he did? Um, I'm actually pretty impressed. It's pretty rare that a media member is that outspoken against stuff like that. Uh, Luke, what are your thoughts on this entire thing? Well, I think I, I think you kind of relayed that pretty well, and I think um, I think Gord Miller did too. He like 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 you said he he didn't he didn't go in on on everything. Um, uh, spit and chicklets and the the people involved with spit and chicklets represent. Um, it was more of a, of a kind of a broader general ethical thing. It's associated with Barstool. Uh, he clearly doesn't, um, I don't know. I, I want to be picky with my words here, but he clearly doesn't, I guess, respect what, what Barstool is or does. And he, he made the choice that, yeah, as much as, as much as spit and chocolates is, you know, seems like itself is a, is a reasonable platform it's, it's, it's more of a matter of, of principle. So I get it. I, I totally get it. And I think that's a very reasonable take. I think it just, uh, I, I think it just got kind of disgusting after the fact, everyone just all over each other about, about like Gord Miller, NBC versus Barstool Spit and Chicklets. I, it's just, I don't know if it was unnecessary, but I, I just feel like this stuff happens all the time. 
And guys, I think the one thing we need to point out here too, in the points you made about Gord Miller there, Luke, and the way he went about it, he was pretty respectful about it. He was just asked a question about if or not he would go on that podcast. And he just, you know, didn't call anybody out, didn't try to purposely stoke any flames, but just said it was a no-go for him. And then when he was asked about it later again, he just provided his reasoning just because of the history and present behavior of the company. And of course, as always, the higher-ups at Barstool typically... Um, and most notably, Dave Portnoy took a uh, pretty public issue with that. And, you know, just as he's done with several other <laughs> blue check marks, as he calls it, uh, such as AOC, I think was the most famous one, um, you know, trying to bring them into the Thunderdome or whatever and sending, I, I don't know what a, who Vindog is, but sending some retired plumber, I think I read he is, um, to do memes about Gord Miller. Like, I, I, it's just so immature from Barstool. And again, it's just, I, I cannot believe that, you know, it, Gordon Miller is really the first one here. He's not the first, you know, player or player or person involved in the NHL to speak out against Barstool, but it's just crazy that there aren't more like him because I, I, I don't even find that funny. I don't know how people find the sort of the bullying culture that it promotes in that like funny at all. It's, it's completely immature um, for, you know, lack of well, a better word. I think that really nails it. So looking at this year, I think there's a lot of surprises and disappointments uh, in certain teams. And I'm looking at the surprises and I have three written down here. One of them is bigger than the others. Um, and then for disappointments, I think we would all agree that they're pretty, pretty big disappointments. But I actually this- don't. I don't disagree with. I, I disagree with one of them, but we'll get there. I think you disagree with Nashville, don't you? I disagree with Colorado. Okay. Anyway, I mean, Colorado's been a disappointment, but I we'll okay. Well, we'll get we'll get. I don't disappointment relative to what was expected. Okay. Let's look at the surprises. We have the Florida Panthers. Uh, no Evgeny Dadnov. No Mike Hoffman. Uh, Carter Verhage is some unbelievable hockey player. Patrick yeah. Marcus has been an excellent addition. Uh, Florida's been a Your lot of fun. Fantasy Sergei, team. Yep. Sergey Bobrovsky uh, looks like he's he's playing up to or at least close to what he's getting paid. Um, Minnesota Wild as well, and the Winnipeg Jets. I think, I don't remember, I think Nick and I both had Winnipeg out of the playoffs this year. I think I had them finishing too. fifth. I think fifth or I sixth. I, I had sixth. Or, yeah, yeah they were sixth. we all had them five or six range. They're they're in the thick of it. They're pretty close to Toronto. They beat Montreal in overtime last night. They got the two points. Um, of these three, which do you think has been the biggest surprise for you guys? I'll say, I'll say Florida just because, you know, they lost Dadnov in the off season. And who else did you say they lost that? I'm forgetting all of a sudden Hoffman. other winger Hoffman. That's right. How could I forget Mike Hoffman? Um, but, you know, I think Florida, especially is just a case of Joel Quenville really starting to mold the Florida Panthers. They look like the Chicago Blackhawks did like, you know, five to seven years ago, they look really dangerous. Barkov's having an outstanding season. Um, Huberdeau's, you know, been insanely productive as well. And they've replaced that scoring really well with guys not making a lot of money like Duclair and Verhage and Aaron Ekblad, in my opinion, has vaulted himself into the Norris trophy conversation because he's been outstanding. And for me, Joel Quenville has got his fingerprints all over Aaron Ekblad, what he's been able to do this season. So, I'll say Florida just because I expected more of the same, if not less from them this year. And all of a sudden they vaulted themselves up to being one of the best teams in the league. And that's really surprised me, but definitely honorable mentions to Minnesota because, you know, look how easy one player has transformed them. 
I think, and like my, my initial answer would also be Florida. I think um, like last year at the trade deadline, that was when I think it was the Trocheck deal. I uh, looking at that deal, it's just like totally nonsensical. Um, I just, I just thought it was uh, kind of giving up from there on out. And I guess I'm not very smart because that was kind of the total opposite of what happened. Uh, Bobrovsky, I, like I will say, Pat, you, you, you mentioned Bobrovsky playing up to how much close he's been to close. I, to. I don't think he'll ever, ever, ever be. What, what is why it? I say close. It's 10. It's 10. It's the same. It's a uh, close. Okay. Point I, five less than price. I think like, unless you're playing like Andre Vasilevsky, I don't know. It's don't the best he's played with that big contract, Demko, but it's, it's the best he's played with the contract. When, yeah, when he's at the well, top it's of only game. two years in, right? Yeah. Anyways. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think like everything they, they did in the off season, it kind of subtly pointed to, okay, this team is going to start going downhill. That clearly isn't the case. I will say, don't you guys think the central division isn't very strong this year? I, cause I'm, I'm looking at it here. Like I, I think it's, there's a bit of a skewed perspective because obviously someone has to be winning these games. Tampa, like I leave Tampa I th- out of the conversation. Well, no, uh, Camp, I think it's impressive that Florida's kept up with Tampa. Yeah. Yeah. No, it is impressive. It is. I think Carolina, Frank, quite frankly, you can make the argument is better than both of them. Or they're all right there. They're yeah, better. I think yeah. they're better than Florida, Carolina. And I think they're pretty close to the Tampa Bay lightning right now. So I, I will say the bottom five teams, okay, except for Dallas, Chicago, Columbus, Nashville, Detroit are all not very good. In but my Chicago's opinion. a team I had in this surprise bubble because they've been getting some of the yeah. best goaltending in the league. Kevin Lankinen's got to sure. be in the Calder conversation right and now. Patrick Kane, Kane has got to yeah, be in yeah. the Hart Trophy conversation right now. I just, I think you have to consider someone has to be winning these games when you're playing only within your division. Uh, and I think there might be some padding there. I don't want to take anything away from Florida. So uh, someone Chicago. has to win the hockey game. Stunning analysis. Someone, from you can't, you can't tie, you can't tie in the NHL. I don't know if you guys knew that, but yeah, someone's I gotta think, be winning games. I think it's impressive that it's also close. I think the fact that Tampa's the 26, the top, the top three, and also the fact that Chicago's kept up. I don't know how many people would have had Chicago had a Columbus. Um, a lot is of people Chicago Max, keeping up. Yeah. They, they, with they those three. good. They Not with those good. Th- they're well, not keeping I see what you're teams. saying. I see what you're saying. Okay. They're not keeping up with those three, but they're right there. They're 14 and 11, and the closest is Columbus, who are 11 and 12. I I thought Domi for sure with with Texe, and then at least with Line coming over uh, would go back. Maybe not to his 72 point season we saw in Montreal, but at least a 50 to 60 point guy. He's been dreadful. He was moved from first line center to fourth line winger in a matter of a couple games. I think the one that no one's talking about is Dallas. How I know they haven't played as many games, but they are nine, nine, and seven. They have 25 points. They are not looking like they would make the playoffs. Um, I think Dallas is the disappointing one. We talked about it last year after their cup run. They didn't have anyone who had more than 20 goals last year. The the, the scoring was was by committee by a decent margin. Uh, Isn't a bad thing. No, it's not a bad thing, but it's, it's... Especially from a Montreal fan, but... Well, Tyler Toffoli has the second most... He's in the heart, uh, or he's in the Rocket Richard race, so I don't know what you're talking about. Anyway, are you familiar with Tyler Toffoli? You recognize that name? No. I'm uh, not. Jim Benning was like, ah, nah, we don't need, we don't There's need no that. Time. There's no time. Anyway, over there. I think Carolina, I think Carolina and Florida are all interchangeable. I just think it's impressive that those two teams kept up with Tampa so well. So, well, um, and, and you make a good point about Dallas. Um, like, like they have 25 games played compared to 30 for the two teams above them. Say they go 
three and two over the next five games, uh, they'd be right up there with Chicago. So it's yeah. Keep that in mind. But yeah, I think the, the one that we can all agree that I guess is better for the league is Minnesota being good. Uh, Minnesota has been the like epitome of mediocrity and just the biggest tweener team we have seen. Uh, Good players, no superstars, just good, but not good at the same time. They get Kaprizov. He has been a ton of fun. Um, but I think we all are going to take L's on our Winnipeg takes. I think I didn't. I thought they were too top heavy, not enough depth. I didn't like their defense. I wasn't sure Hellebuck could repeat. Uh, I still think they're top heavy, and I don't think their defense is good. But they've they've gotten enough from their top guys. What do you guys think, of Winnipeg? Yeah, Hellebuck's been outstanding, and I think they, yeah. I think that's the only reason they're close because I still don't think they're very good systematically or um i i even their top guys haven't produced that well at 5v5 so i would say connor hallibuck is pretty much the reason why they're where they are um and if that for some reason falters then boy are they hooped i I, yeah like hallibuck is a great example i think goaltending this year is is multiple times more important than it it is in regular years um if a goalie steals goalie steals you a game this year it's worth so much more um like i i will use the thatcher demko example vancouver just won three of four against toronto and montreal that's uh probably not enough to get them back in the race but um like a a a hot goalie is gonna do wonders for for teams this year and there's gonna be a lot of teams making the playoffs that are only in the playoffs because of their goaltending yeah, Demko's been pretty good. Mike Smith went on that 4-0 tear. He had a couple I think Demko's been a bit better than pretty good, but anyways. Okay. I put some disappointments here. Um, Calgary, I put there because a lot of – I was not sold on Calgary at the start of the season. Neither was I. I still don't think I'm sold on Calgary. I was sold. I put them second in the uh, North Division. I think so I, they're, they're a disappointment for me. I think I put them third. I might have put them fourth. I think I put I them, put them fifth, I think. Too. You know who I yeah. was right about though, and I, I'm Luke might call them a disappointment. The Canucks. I think I hit that one on the head. Yeah, Luke, you, Luke you got did, very you did. upset with me when I said yeah. they duke it out with the Senators at the bottom. And I had Vancouver third, and I stand by it. So we'll stay, see. I remember, I remember our second or third episode. Uh, I'm looking at my note. Luke now. was saying, and Vancouver's not a good team apparently, and now they're just not a good team. And I think we're seeing that. I think Nick was right. But Calgary is the one that I really wasn't sold on. I liked the Markstrom addition. Uh, well, I wasn't huge on the Tanev contract. Uh, latter half of his shutdown defenseman career. Um, again, they fired a coach. I hate Daryl Sutter hockey. Watching the Flames has got to be the most frustrating thing you will do. It's it's effective, effective. as best as it can. Well, except for last night. But it's, it's, fair, it's fairly effective. Calgary is the one that I think has been big. I also put Colorado, Dallas, and Nashville in there. I don't think I should, maybe I can get rid of Nashville because Nashville has been kind of on the downtrend lately. I keep expecting Philip Forsberg to pop off, but the yeah, two, I wouldn't be dis and yeah, I wouldn't be disappointed in Nashville. That's no. And then I I'd probably, yeah, I don't, I don't know how I, you can have Colorado. In there. I put, well, give me a second. Cause I put call, I put compared to the expectations that Colorado had, you had Devon Taves, you had a bona fide top, top four, arguably a first pair defenseman to play with Kale McCarr. You move on from Nikita Zadorov. You add a top six winger uh, who could who guarantees 20 to 25 goals over an 82-game season in Brandon Saad. Uh, McKinnon's young. They are the best cap-managed team. They only got better. They still have a young guy in Bowen Byron coming up. People thought that this team would be a powerhouse, and they haven't been that. And they had a rough start to the season. 
I think they are not a disappointing team. They are a good team just compared to the expectations. I don't know how many well, people have them third in I, the West behind Minnesota. I think, okay. I, I think I, those expectations are a bit unfair. Um, even though I, I, so. I will say I was also part of that. Well, wh- what do you expect them to just run out? Like I thought they were going to run away with five the points. Above I, yeah, Vegas every, right now? I, everyone thought that they were going to be on the division. I don't think that's I, it would be it would, super no, realistic. I, the expectations I, going into it were that they were going to be this that they were going to be pro- yes. probably the best of it team in the division. I think or looking league. looking at the standings right now, Vegas is a really really good team. If you told me um, going into the season, Vegas is going to be first in the West, Colorado is going to be second, I'd be like, okay, sure. Would I think have, the, yeah. I think the fact Minnesota came out of nowhere is making Colorado look bad. Yeah, it's maybe um, more of a Minnesota surprise mm-hmm. than a Colorado yeah, disappointment. I can see that. I, I can see that argument. I don't know. I wouldn't have expected that they'd be 17 and eight, 17, eight. And yeah, I, th- I thought they'd have a little bit sweet. Uh, I'm going to put together a couple more moment. wins, but anyway, um, I put that in there just because they added the top defenseman. They added the top six winger with Kadri and McKinnon and Landeskog and Byram and McCarr and Grubauer and Francois who were all playing exceptionally well. And they, they start, they've, they figured it out the past couple games. Kadri had like a five point eight the other night, but I think it was it was a slow buildup, and it took them a while to get going, at least. Um, but overall, as a disappointment, no. But compared to the expectations, I would say so. This doesn't pertain to Montreal or Vancouver, um, but the Calder. I'm gonna let Nick take this one. But you, there's two guys I have here. I put Kaprizov, Tim Stutzla, Josh Norris, and Capo Kakinen. I think it's going to go to Kaprizov just because of all the hype around him. The fact that it's Minnesota. I also think you can make the case for Stutzla. Um, what, let's, I, I, throw, I throw Lankanen into this conversation in Chicago. Yep. I think that rounds it off as your top five contenders right now. I think Lankanen's, um, his stock is falling off in that race a bit, but you know, the forwards there are certainly an interesting bunch and, you know, we can sit here and bicker about what the rules of the Calder are right now, but I think, you know, based on what they are right now, and I, I'm not, I'm certainly not going to argue that uh, Kirill Kaprizov should not be awarded the Calder trophy at this point, just because he's been that good. And it's not his fault that the rules are the way they are, but you know, kudos to Tim Stutzla. He's come over and he's produced pretty well. Some of his underlines were really, really, sluggish to say the least to start but he certainly picked up the slack um and has looked really good alongside drake batherson for the senators and i think josh norris has been my most surprising player this year just because i sort of expected him to you know be sort of a feel good hey he made the team play 10 games and then go back to ahl belleville and play out the season there but it's been the complete opposite and he's stuck around he's been you know at times the senators first line center for a lot of this year he's handled tough matchups got good underlyings all through and 17 points. So I think deservedly he's in that race. And of course, like you said, Pat, uh, shout out to Capo Kakinen as well, because um, man, he's come out of nowhere. And that's one of the reasons why the wild are doing so well. And Luke, you picked uh, Stutzel, I think, right? At the beginning of the year. Uh, I'm pretty sure you so. did. He was I picked... my. Um, yes. Yeah, so Luke and I picked Stutzel and Pat yes, picked I did. Kaprizov. So I like I think like we saw it with Panarin and now we're seeing it again with um Kaprizov. I yeah, uh I forget which one you just said it, but yeah, it's not his fault the rules are the way they are. And with the rules the way they are, he's probably gonna win the Calder. I would 
think uh, he should. That being said, um, if, like for the for the sake of the game, I I don't think he should be considered. And I've never really had too much of a concern with this because you don't see it very often, right? Like we, again, we saw it with Panarin years ago, but now we're seeing it again. And maybe they'll kind of think about it after after they award this. Uh, I think he's five years older than the current, like then Stutzla, for example. So you have to think there's something up there. I, I don't know if there should be an age limit. I don't know if you should consider the KHL. If you, you play, if you play a year in the KHL, that's your rookie year because you know, the KHL can be argued um, kind of on the same tier as the NHL. So that's it. Cause I think the what he play three seasons in the KHL before yeah. two, two or three. three. So yeah, I think um, maybe there might be a discussion to come of this, but yeah, strictly speaking with the rules the way they are, um, yeah, Kaprizov should should be the one. I think you got to take professional games into account for this and create some sort of a cutoff because, you know, Drake Batherson, another young player for the Senators, is only 22 years old, but he's not considered a rookie and is therefore not in the Calder conversation this year, despite the fact that he has in 33 games here. Let me just pull it up. He's got 11 goals, 10 assists, one of the top scorers on the Senators. But because he played 43 NHL games in two prior years combined, he's not considered a um, a rookie. But Kaprizov, who was the top goal scorer in the KHL the past couple of years and has played five full seasons of KHL hockey, is able to waltz in and win the calendar. Mm-hmm. So I think this year is definitely going to be the one that changes that rule. I know Panarin probably should have, but I was actually okay with them giving it to Panarin that year because McDavid only played in 50 NHL games himself, despite the fact that he was really good. But, um, you know, I think this is definitely going to be the year and the situation that turns the tide on this trophy. Yeah, I, uh, I think we all put Lafreniere in that category as well, but he's been, I mean, the Rangers have had a pretty weird year. I don't think I, anyone expected them to take a huge step, but you can tell they're a team that looks to be good in the next three to five years. Safe to um, say he's been underwhelming though. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I would agree. And that's fine. Let's not rookies take time. Not everyone can come in like a McDavid or a Matthews, but. Um, or a cock, can you hear me? Yeah. All right, we are gonna <laughs> we're gonna take a quick break break and then we'll come back with our TSN trade bait board. Uh, we'll be back after this short message. All right, welcome back um, for our final segment of today's show. We are going to be looking at the trade bait board. I talked a little bit at the at the beginning of the show. Uh, you know, we all watch the trade deadline with Duthy and McKenzie and Miller and all those guys. Uh, Ray Ferraro and actually last night on the Habs game Ray Ferraro was saying that any trade that happens is probably going to be happening in the next week or two it's probably not going to take up until the deadline teams are not going to be that uh, I guess reckless you could say they're not going to wait that long till the the 3 p.m deadline to make a trade to add someone to their team Uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois is kind of proof of how how long it can take especially if you're doing it from a different country uh, to quarantine to get into integrated with the system and the team I think it's going to happen within a week or two. So we have the trade bait board up here. I'm going to pick out some specific names and we can figure out uh, some destinations. Obviously the big name that everyone is talking about is Matias Ekholm. Uh, bonafide top pair, uh, at least top four, but I, I think you could argue top pair. Shut down defenseman. Uh, he's on a super uh, affordable contract, 3.7 million uh, this year and the next year. Uh, he's 30 years old. Any team that's looking to win now and next year, this is the guy to get. I've seen Montreal, 
as an option. I've seen Toronto as an option. I've seen Winnipeg because Winnipeg needs help on the back end. Uh, Luke, I'll, I'll ask you, what team do you think makes the most sense for Matias Ekholm? Well, I want to, and maybe it's just because that's all I've, this is all I've kind of heard about the situation. I want to say Toronto um, because Toronto does need help on defense as, as, um, as good as TJ Brody has been this year, which I, th- I think from what I can tell, he's been, he hasn't su- exceeded expectations. He hasn't fallen below. I think he's just kind of been exactly what they expect, which is fine. Um, but I, I feel like Toronto has some more pressing issues to deal with, uh, notably in their net. I'm uh, not really like it's, it's at one point, it seems yeah. good that yes, they've got you can say it. People that, don't like when you say it, but it's true. I, it's I, true. I think um, sensitive issue here. It shouldn't be not for us. He there have been, he hasn't been times good. where you look at their goalies and I've been told by Leafs fans, wow, we have like three really good goalies here to deal with. And then a week later, they're struggling to figure out who to start because they're all not good. Regardless. I'm just going to say it. I want the Boston Bruins to swing big and bring in Philip Forsberg and Matthias Ekholm. I don't know how they make that work with the cap. You're going to have to throw money back the other way, Jake DeBrusque, something else. But I want to see the Boston Bruins take one bat, one last big swing of the bat and go for Ekholm and Forsberg. I think it's a good fit for both players. Yeah, I want to see it happen. I think Winnipeg makes, I think Ekholm makes a lot of sense for Winnipeg. I don't know necessarily if Winnipeg will do this. I don't think that's a likely destination, but I think in terms of a team that needs help, they need help on the back end. You add in TS Ekholm to with the guys like Neil Pionk, Josh Morrissey, someone like Logan Stanley, even though I don't think he's very good. You add someone who is a shutdown guy. He's big. He's tough to play against. I know those cliches that Nick hates, but it's true. Matias Ekholm is a shutdown defenseman. He's very good. He's at an affordable cap hit. They have assets to move. I think he's. I think that's a team that makes sense. I've also seen Montreal because God knows that that left side sucks, and I've been talking about it forever. It was bad when Ben Chirot was healthy. It was bad with Ben Chirot. It's bad with Joel Edmondson. It's not good with Shea Weber. If there is a team that needs a top four defenseman, it's Montreal. They've needed it forever. The thing is, Montreal's not up there with Toronto and Winnipeg right now. If they can get back up there and not lose every single overtime and be in the top at least two to three, um, not first, but two to three, then I think Echo makes a lot of sense. But Montreal is sort of a messy team to look at. Anyway, uh, Ricard Raquel, and I'm going to tie this one to Toronto because everyone's talking about Ricard Raquel to Toronto. On TSN 590 The Fan, or Sportsnet 590 The Fan, sorry, uh, there was a proposal and it said... For Ricard Raquel, Nick Robertson, Rodion Amirov, a third-round pick, and Pierre Engvall for Ricard Raquel. That's way too much for Ricard Raquel. I'd love if Toronto did that, but that's way too much. And I think two days ago, uh, Kyle Dubas had his, his press conference, asked if he was willing to trade a top prospect to help them win now. He said yes, but from what I've heard, Rasmus Sandin is not one to talk about. Do you guys see a move for Ricard Raquel to Toronto? If not Toronto, where could you guys see him going? I see it to Toronto, but it, I think it is going to cost a lot. And I think Anaheim's going to demand a lot just because Ricard Raquel is on a really reasonable cap hit with term and he's a good player. So I, you know, the specific suggestion you mentioned there is quite a bit, but I, I think that's what it's going to cost to bring in a player like Ricard Raquel. I'm not really sure where else I could see him going. I think 
you know, a team like Minnesota right now, if they really want to keep like loading up on players like that, and they've got a few prospects that they can work around with. And I think they could probably do something. I like the fit there, but um, I think the most likely one for Raquel would be Toronto. But again, they're going to have to make that work cap wise. Yeah. And I think looking at, looking at that team long-term, if you're, and like Dubas said it, uh, that he's willing to give up a top prospect. If you are going to give up a top prospect, I think that's the kind of player that it makes sense to do it for. Like you said, Nick, um, there's a better term there, which is a nice and the cap hit works, especially for a team like Toronto. Um, so I, yeah, I, I think that would be, that would be pretty likely he's, he's, um, I, I don't know. Is he having a much better year this year than, cause he's definitely Raquel's having, having a, a good year, he's a been good on year. Team. But is, so this is out of character for him per se. Well, he's 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 had success in the playoffs too. That's the thing. Whenever Anaheim's been in the playoffs, he's always been a, a pretty successful guy. They need that top nine forward. Um, they've dealt with injuries this year. I think Raquel to Toronto makes makes sense. Oh, I just, no, like, not at that price though. I you, I don't think Toronto should be giving up Robertson and Amirov. Oh, definitely uh, not that. But like the longer I think of it, I just like in, in big picture, I think Toronto needs to stop going for these um, short term. Uh, you know, middle Band-Aid of the pack, solutions, yeah. yeah, forwards to or or anyone. You, really you know, to his fix full name problem. is Ricard Lars Gunnar Roland Raquel. No, that should be on his jersey, then. That should be on his jersey. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's uh, probably get time for a couple more. Yeah. So there was one. This is the big one. Taylor Hall. I again, like Toronto, is going to be mentioned around that just because they want to add a forward. I like. I don't think they can make that work cap wise. I think they should. Um, yeah, I. And again, it, it's going to be so hard to move him because of the, because of the cap hit involved there. Uh, I again, I'm not sure how they make it work cap wise or what their internal budget is, but Carolina is one I would like to see just take a swing for the fences here, and I think Paul would be a great fit there with the speeder hurricane. So I'll say Carolina I, I don't think you'd have to Carolina. I don't think you'd have to give up too much if I'm being honest he's because he's not having a good year um, but there is the potential there he's getting paid a lot so depending on on what kind of money gets moved around I think he is a very good candidate for a team like like I said at the beginning for for a contending team and I think we'd all agree um, don't think Toronto's a good fit I think that would be incredibly dumb uh i don't mind carolina now that now that you've brought it up i also think maybe florida would be kind of cool but what florida thinks they need to be doing right now i have no idea i don't even know if anyone within the organization knows what florida is doing right now i think that would be kind of cool though because a florida push this year no one would have seen that coming um but yeah i think it's, it's going to be any kind of any kind of contending team that thinks they need that that extra jump. And I think the the price is not going to be very steep. I had an idea for Taylor Hall and this might be a little out there, but I think the New York Islanders would be a good fit for Taylor Hall. Yeah. I um, like that. I like a- that. Anders Lee is out for the, I think yeah, the rest of the season, or at true. least a good chunk of the season. Um, the they the have season, some, yeah. yeah, they have some assets that are, that are movable. Um, add him with Barzal kind of round out with that top six. Their top six is surprisingly uh, it's better than I thought. Brock Nelson is a guy. I think he has like 12 goals in the season so far. I think that'd be a good fit. You wouldn't have to go cross the border again. I think that one makes sense because the Islanders are 
good every year. Every year, I think they're not going to be as good. Ad, uh, Adam Pellick is apparently extremely good defensively. Didn't even realize that. So tons of options here. We're seeing guys in the trade bait go up, see them go down. Jake DeBrus, for example, is down 16 spots. But tons of options. And I think in the next week or so is when we'll finally see some moves we made. Toronto only has a couple games in the next uh, 12 days. So I think that'll be when they look to make a move. Other teams as well to look out for. Montreal, Winnipeg, uh, lots of action. But as far as our episode goes, uh, this just does it for uh, for us here on Take the Take. Our first episode on the Fan Side Network uh, for Luke Burrows and Nick Robinson. Thank you so much for being here, and we'll see you next time.